0: From San Francisco's Inner Voice Network, welcome to Conversations of the Quantum Age. I'm Marlene Caldis, bringing you conversation with the foremost writers and metaphysicians of our time. Our program is devoted to bringing you life-enhancing information on subjects of health and spirituality, science and its connection to our metaphysical universe with a vision toward global harmony and peace. For information on our guests, events, or books discussed on our show, For questions or comments, call us anytime at 1 800 555 7070. That's 1 800 555 7070. My guest today is James Redfield, author of the best selling books The Celestine Prophecy and The Tenth Insight, fictional adventures that have described the emerging spiritual consciousness of our times. Today we are talking about his newest nonfiction book. The Celestine Vision, Living the New Spiritual Awareness, published by Warner Books. I want to thank you for joining me today, James. I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Did you ever have any idea that you would be so profoundly received as a messenger (laughs) of our times?
1: Well, you know, not really. I had had a sense that the book perhaps put into words what uh, many of us were feeling and experiencing all at the same time out there. Uh, but what happened, of course, was that, that uh, individuals adopted the book to give to a friend so that then some conversation around these uh, spiritual experiences could be uh, initiated, and it became a pass-along book, mm-hmm. and uh, that's happened actually around the world now.
0: An opportunity to, to substantiate some of their deepest, most in, internal feelings and uh, experiences. Uh, you know, when you your work emerges from the basis of what you've learned in your lifetime, uh, does it? Does it emerge from that, or do you channel something higher than yourself?
1: Well, certainly it's a combination. I think we all do that when we, when we uh, catch a vision uh, of, of what's happening uh, around us. I think that uh, the way I view my work, really, th- though, is that uh, you know, I began to look out there at, 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 at what I felt was clearly a shifting awareness and And felt a need and felt a a, a kind of drivenness uh, both for myself and 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 I guess as my contribution to uh put this into words you know to describe it in a way that maybe pulled the pieces together and talked about the shift we're making, which I think is very real, from speaking of spirituality very abstractly, you know my religion's better than your religion right. uh, and and then and moving over into the domain of of asking how does how do we really actualize this sense of spirituality that we can intuit and discover for ourselves you know how do we really live it uh, not just debate it
0: right you had uh, mentioned and said uh, quite simply in your book that to change the world we must first change ourselves and uh, you've had a, an immense impact on a large body of people with your work you've contributed to changing the world i mean I think more than four million people bought Celestine Prophecy. What catalyst caused your interchange? Something had to happen that set that in motion. What was it?
1: Well actually I had um uh, I had an experience when I was about twenty four, uh and it was it happened in a in an old gross forest, a uh, very, very beautiful spot, uh, in the uh, in the Tennessee Mountains, the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Uh and um I was there, and and I really I was meditating, and very very much at crossroads uh, at at that point in my life, uh, and I had what was clearly uh, a vision of my own possibilities. You know, I wrote, write about that in the tenth insight. You know, it was a it was a birth vision in in a sense that I, I saw uh, before me, sort of what my life could be, uh, and what I could contribute. Uh, if I remained uh, true to myself and in, in my path, and I saw the, the writing, uh, and the, um, uh, the, the, the impact of the book around the world, and and uh, that changed me because uh, it, during that experience, I really, I really found uh, a greater identity f- for myself that sort of was different from my old biographical confused. Uh, identity uh, that I walked into that forest with and uh, it never quite left me and uh, while I'd I'd lose it and I I would fall from it and get confused and all that kind of stuff so it was uh, I considered it at the time uh, more of a pipe dream than anything else but then as I pursued my own synchronicity uh, what happened was that what I'd seen in the vision became uh, began to come true and and began to happen and uh, so it was a you know, that was a transformative experience that uh, that, that changed everything.
0: I, I think it's interesting that so many of us live in our past biographies, that it, it's difficult for us to see the possibilities um, of what our future could be to imagine it's almost as if we're not even allowed to to be the best that we can be it's like well who are you to be so bright as as Mandela had said in yes. his inauguration <laughs> and he says well who are you not to be also uh, that we could you know raise ourselves to our highest possibility and to to realize our our highest aim and aspiration in life i i thought it was interesting that you kept talking about keeping things in place and this has been a discussion I've been having with uh, many people about how they don't have to bomb their lives. They don't have to throw out their jobs that they've had for 19 years and go through this huge revolution and tear things down, as you had talked about. And I thought you might comment a little about on that that internal shift yes. that you had discussed.
1: Yes. I really think that the, the changing worldview that's occurring right now, that's more spiritual uh, it's based on, based on finding a calling. Uh, it's based on finding direct evidence of this, the, the way the spiritual plays out in our lives. You know, this new spiritual worldview is really not, as you said, it's not a uh, a uh, huge uh, uh, dist- uh, overall transformation uh, in which uh, uh, the the institutions of society are broken down and rebuilt. I think that the institutions we have re, are remaining in place. We still have science and we still have corporations and we still have business and commerce and we still have health, and medicine, all the all the uh, the uh, professions. But what's happening is that as we transform inside and find a truer calling in the sense that, wow, if I'm going to be an attorney, I'm going to do it in a whole different kind of way. And instead of creating conflict, I'm going to find a way to... Resolve conflict and, and find win-win situations, uh, and and if I'm going to be a scientist, then I'm going to do sci- I'm not going to do just a materialistic science. I'm going to look at the science of spirituality, um, and and if I'm going to be a, a, a kindergarten teacher, I'm going to do that in a way that recognizes the mysterious potential that uh, uh, that these children have, and so forth. You know, I mean, it's uh, so everything is being transformed. I believe in place. Mm-hmm. As we begin to look at uh, as at at life in a more mysterious spiritual way,
0: and so how do you think this is going to affect life on Earth in the new millennium? What well, do think, you envision?
1: Well, I think that uh, you know there's, there are going to be some very interesting changes. First of all, I, I think that uh, as more of us become aware of this new worldview. Uh, that now science is 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 affirming mm-hmm. that the world is is designed for our best dream to come true it doesn 't mean all we have to do is wish for it. It means we have to get rid of all our distractions and self destructive behaviors and all the rest but But once we get clear enough to, 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 to hear that birth vision and to feel that calling, then the universe is designed uh, for our expectations to manifest into opportunities. Uh, and uh so that once we reach a kind of critical mass of that uh way of thinking, then we're all going you know the world is gonna humans in the world are going uh, going to uh, uh move into a place of very high creativity we're going to be able to uh solve many of our social problems because people feel called to get in there and do it mm-hmm. uh not wait on the government or somebody else to do it. Uh, and uh, institutions will all transform into their spiritual purpose, not just their uh, the purpose that they 've been used for to to create privilege and make a lot of make money and feel secure, but every institution has a spiritual service that it provides for everyone else and so we 're going to quickly move into a uh, spiritual culture uh, in which uh, uh, the whole panorama of dreams coming true and each of us telling our truth to other people and being synchronistic moments for each other and and providing those things and those that's going to be the drama of life instead of the uh, the soap operas on afternoon television Mm -hmm. and and once we shift into that level of creativity uh, then the economy will shift uh, uh, I believe toward a more providing of service and waiting for the money to come rather than Uh, trying to um, manipulate people into buying our our products uh, through advertising and so on.
0: It's almost like uh, the money is the natural byproduct of doing the right thing. That's right. Having a higher aim. That's right. Um, I can't help but make the connection with uh, Candice Pert, who wrote uh, Molecules of Emotion. She was the scientist who discovered the opiate receptor and uh, consequently also worked on the teams that were involved in discovering the endorphins and yes. how she took her science to a whole new level in terms of the spiritual and emotional aspects of it mm-hmm. paid dearly for it too <laughs> i might add <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah in terms of you know the network that she's operating in I I see also, you know, the connection where you had talked about energy and in the work. I mean, we are very, very fortunate at this time. We have many people um, communicating about a higher form of consciousness through many different what I would call contemporary languaging vehicles. I mean, yes. there's something there. For everybody, it yes. can be said in any way that anybody can get it. Yes. And uh, I think we're very fortunate I at agree. this time about that. And I had made the uh, a connection when I was talking with uh, Carolyn Mace about the anatomy of energy and the anatomy of spirit. And I could see how what you were talking about in terms of energy, where our energy goes in the future, and wow. how you described that in the book. Yes. It was beautifully laid out and fluidly written, yes, and I you. thought, you know, where did you first come to that? Really putting that whole thing together, in terms of seeing energy on that level.
1: Yes, well, you know, I think that it's it's uh, it's really a product of uh, a convergence of modern physics with Eastern mysticism, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, because it, it, you know, the 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 mystics from the East have always talked about that uh, we are. Not material at all we're energy mm-hmm. uh, bodies energy uh, uh souls uh that we that we have a, and we have greater energy or less energy mm-hmm. depending on our attitudes and depending on our connection to this greater whole that is the universe and that is the divine within the universe uh, and if we open up to this greater energy then we uh, we raise our vibrations uh and that uh, we have we are an energy field and we put our energy into places and towards certain goals Mm -hmm. uh, depending on our intention. Uh, Now, of course, what we have is modern physics physics affirming that we are energy uh, beings uh, and that uh, our intention uh, creates uh, much of what happens to us in the future. It it has impact on other people. We we live in this energy dynamic uh, universe. So I think that what I did was Begin to see the influences that were coming in right. uh, and and tried to describe it in a way that made sense at the everyday level.
0: I think it was really funny to um, remember the uh, statement of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) And uh, I can't help but be in the conversation with my clients and associates that no, 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 the road to heaven is paved with good intentions and that the intention truly seems to be the seed of what is to come, of of the highest potential uh, and the infinite possibilities that are out there. And you nicely write about that as well. Um, you know, there's so much going on in the book. You talked about drift time. Now, yes. we have so many. See, it's interesting because there are so many preconceived ideas about how we have to use our time. Yes. You know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. And <laughs> keep yourself busy and, you know, fit the role and fit the bill and do the right thing. Keep everybody happy and make a popular decision here and keep going. Yes. And what we see, it's already become a soft invitation to evolve you talk a lot about social evolution and and social change and one of the things you discussed was the drift time yes and how important i think that is for the seed of our highest potential to be born yes. i think it happens at that time yes you want to comment sure. on that you
1: know i mean it, it, it the old world view you know the one we're trying to grow out of and expand uh Looks at the universe as kind of a dead, soulless place. Not much mysterious going on. Dangerous out there, but not mysterious. And um, and it it sort of encapsules us in an ego that is fearful and, and and has to make make things happen. You know, if we don't make our way in the world, no, no one will. We've got to do it ourselves. So we go charging out our door every day with these five. Ten things to do that we have to get <laughs> done, and we run out with a kind of tunnel vision, in which we uh, we race right by the, the more mysterious opportunities that come our way.
0: Yes, we it's, we get so linear that we actually have taken the expansiveness out of our life. That's right. The, the energy in the, doesn't.
1: That's right. And the mystery, you know, the there there are mysterious encounters that we can have if we'll slow down and and watch who we're in the in the elevator with, and who we go into doors with, and who we're noticing in our office building that we haven't had a, a, a chance to talk to yet. Out of those encounters in our intuitions, you know, we wake up in the morning, think of an old friend, and, and a lot of the time we just forget that and run on with our list when if we would stop and listen to these intuitions, uh, call our old friend, what we usually hear is, wow, just thinking about you, let me tell you what's going on in my life. Out of that conversation will come a mysterious bit of information arriving just at the right time to take us along our path and often uh, uh, move us into a position to complete our our goal more conscious goals uh, faster more efficiently. Uh, you know we're not alone in the world. The right. world. Uh, brings us the opportunities uh, that we need to make our way
0: I think that the fun and exciting part too is that as we engage more in the conversation of the sciences, quantum physics and quantum mechanics and actually no longer shy away from those subjects but as they fully engage themselves in our consciousness along with this soft invitation to evolve we can actually prove why uh, we think of someone and they turn up or why we can envision or create visualize and have that aspect uh, come into being. A lot yes. of times, I, I think of, I think of it as an atomic thought process. You know, yes. make your atomic picture, yes, create absolutely. the see the molecules floating all around it, and then and then wait on the will of heaven. I think that's an important aspect. Absolutely. in terms of vision, when you talk about holding the vision, yes. it reminded me of a, a young couple I had seen on television uh, a number of years ago talking about how. As ice skaters, they always dreamed of winning the world championships, the world skating championships, and it took them sixteen years, and they did yes and I thought they held that vision for a really long time, and they never let it go and that yes. is something that is possible absolutely uh, for all of us
1: absolutely and and we also get help in knowing which vision to hold i mean that which is which is you know how we test our ego, you know we have to be very careful that we hold a vision that is not just something that would give us advantages or, 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 or uh, uh, maybe be uh, something vague like, I want to be rich. Or, and, right. And, and moves, moves into, you know, the vision moves in. If we listen, we'll be intuitively guided into our best dream. And we, when, when we get conscious of our best dream, then it feels like a true calling. And mm-hmm. it's always a way to make the world better. And once we get into that, then the doors begin to open quite mysteriously, and uh, and our dreams will come true.
0: We go beyond that place from the desire to receive for oneself alone to the desire to receive for the sake of sharing with others. Absolutely. And then every lifetime that touches it is enhanced yes. as a result.
1: Yes. And it's, you know, it's, again, it's the new picture of the good life that's emerging. I mean, that's we right. And it know, is the, a good life, too. Absolutely. And it's it's what we expect with our lives and 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 you know we had to take some work there are a lot of steps of clearing that have to take place but we know now that that's possible and because we know we're sort of ruined to the old materialistic life with it doesn't suffice anymore when right. uh, we've got to move on into this new uh worldview which is much more spiritual and uh awing and mysterious and And that's what's fun about it.
0: Certainly more satisfying and enriching. Absolutely. We could all live a more flourishing lifestyle by paying attention to that deep inner voice. For those of you just joining us, I'm Marlene Caldas, and you're listening to Conversations of the Quantum Age. My guest today is James Redfield, author of The Celestine Prophecy, The Tenth Insight, and we've been discussing his newest nonfiction book, The Celestine Vision. This book discusses the historical and scientific background of the last 100 years that has led us to a new understanding and spiritual awakening as we approach our next century. But it's not just because we're approaching the next century that we're having this awakening what no, do you i don't think
1: i don't think so you know i i think there's there's a, a synchronicity between what we're <laughs> growing into and the dates themselves i i think there is something magic about the dates but i think the we still have to do it and uh, the date will come and go mm-hmm. of the new millennium and we won't go forward a a bit unless we uh act on our best intuition we we uh we find that that uh, inner larger identity that that we we're, we're discovering out there and we act on that but and and there's something also magic about the date in the sense that you know how lucky are we
0: mm-hmm.
1: not only are we the generation who, that's alive as we turn the new century but we're the generation that's alive when we turn the new millennium, a whole thousand-year uh, period of history. And so that alone, I think, fills us with awe. Quite a bit us, of mana. <laughs> absolutely. Fills yeah. us with this sense of wow, you know, uh, and gives us, I think what it does is gives us a, a, a sense of of historical uh, significance.
0: Something bigger than ourselves, yes, that's and, for sure.
1: And that can open us up to the real spiritual experiences that will make this, this new awareness uh uh what we uh what what will be the norm in this next thousand year period.
0: Right. Now the subject of synchronicity weaves its way throughout your writings. Isn't it a human characteristic that we've always had but might have had buried within ourselves for numerous reasons? I mean you yes. know Without a doubt, we're developing that part. Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's you know, the mystics tell us that the you know the spiritual life is always hovering around us, <laughs> but in, in, until we open up to it, uh, nothing happens.
0: Right. Well, it appears to me that we're stretching the dendrites and forging uh, new territory in a large percent of our brains that scientists have claimed and insisted we absolutely do not use so what do you think about that do you think we really only use six or ten percent of our brain what's your hit on that
1: well absolutely i mean we you know you can't uh you know we're not actualizing all of our perceptual abilities you know we're learning to see uh, auric and energy fields Uh, we're learning to develop uh, uh what we sense already as a telepathic nature with each other Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're already finishing each other's sentences. We know what people are gonna say before <laughs> they say it and they know what we're gonna say before we say it. It's almost impossible to lie to anybody anymore because there's an intuitive sort of uh antenna out mm-hmm. for manipulation and, and untruths and and uh you know that's that is a whole expansion of our consciousness that I think is reflected in the in, in the parts of the brain that are yet to be uh actualized.
0: You talk about uh, reincarnation in the book. You yes. touch on it lightly. Yes. What do you think is going to happen in terms of the world view of reincarnation?
1: Oh, well, I think that we're going to. Uh, it's definitely going to become a part of our understanding. Uh, you know, the more we uh, digest the near-death experience literature, you know, that what what the people are saying who have gone, who've died, gone over, and come back uh you know there's it's impossible for there to have been so many similarities in these accounts, exactly. uh uh unless there were uh, the experiences were much the same and that that reality was much the same and uh you know what we're learning is that uh, uh uh we've lived before that's right and that that uh these uh you know there's we've always wondered well what's this deja vu experience and we've always wondered why do I just dislike somebody. You know, I don't even know them. I walk in the room. There's a person. We immediately dislike <laughs> each other, or the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Why do we just fall? You know,
0: Complete uh, resonance.
1: Total uh, affiliation mm-hmm. uh, with someone, and you find out that they uh, share your values and share your many of your your early experiences, and all, you know we're just on the same wavelength with certain mm-hmm. people. And uh, much of that has a history, I think, uh, in in past lives. And you know, we're developing the. The process is to explore that and to try to remember it and and to work these things out with each other before we uh, recreate something that happened uh, before.
0: The world seems to be taking on an aura of interdimensionality at this yes. point. I think so. You talked a little about the merging of the dimensions. Yes. You know, people going into the afterlife. But I think more than that, I think people have been having these experiences for a really long time. Uh, some call it maybe extraterrestrials, aliens. They don't know what to label it. Yes. But I kind of get the feeling that there is all of this energy, the, these atomic uh, collections of energy that mm-hmm. are present all the time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you touch on that a little in your book. I also thought, you know, what does the idea of, or, you know, what part does the idea of the multidimensional play in the new social evolution
1: well, I think that that, that we're, we're we're you know we've been repressing death for 400 years and mm. and uh, we do it we did it because it's too scary to think about that so we reduced death in the afterlife to angels and harps and things you know little little caricatures of what it might be like and then we quickly go on to the football game but now we're opening up to full consideration of life itself and that means we were born uh, it means that we have a sense that we came from somewhere we're starting to open up to the experiences people have of the afterlife uh and we're we're opening up all the polls show that uh that that uh, many many people have uh communications with the uh, recently deceased loved ones uh, uh, uh you know communications with the afterlife in general angelic contact uh, it's always happened. Uh, it happened a lot in the last 400 years, but people didn't talk about it because uh, others would think they were crazy. Right Now we can talk about it. And as we begin to talk about it, we're finding that there's always been a correspondence between the two dimensions. And now we're taking that seriously. So I think that in the next millennium, uh, there will probably be more and more correspondence between the, the two di- uh, dimensions. And as we yeah uh, you know, I think the the lesson of history and the, of what the mystics have always and, uh, and many many of the ancient prophecies have said is that eventually we 'll raise our vibrations on this planet to the level that uh, uh, we 'll be spiritual beings uh, uh, of light and in that and then at those at, at that moment we'll we 'll be able to walk into the afterlife instead of having to die and be reborn uh, to to make our way back and forth
0: mm-hmm. You spoke of Carl Jung in your book. You talked a little about the archetypes, and yes. I wondered. Well, there's actually two questions I have here. One: Have you had any past life memory or experiences? Oh yes,
1: yeah. Much of the the uh, experiences in the uh, tenth insight of of, of uh, priestly reincarnations of, or incarnations in the, during the medieval times are all mine. <laughs> How <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I. I um, I remember them fairly vividly. I mean, it took some work, but uh mm-hmm. uh you know, mm-hmm. times when I pushed the envelope a little too far and was uh, killed quite dramatically for my beliefs and Really? And oh yeah, yeah, those those are pretty vivid to me. You know, which is why I'm okay. pretty low key about what I'm doing now, you know, I, uh, uh in terms of being the uh, reluctant me- messenger, you know. I mean, That's I, true. I'm very careful <laughs> about uh uh, how I present the ideas because uh, of those experiences, right. you know. I don't want to be uh, the charismatic leader that people follow or the guru because, and uh, and part of it is the past life experiences, right. and part of it is the the uh, the belief that we're moving past a need for charismatic leaders. We're becoming our own gurus. I,
0: I think you've gone way beyond the ability to have a low profile, don't you? <laughs> well, I still
1: I still uh, am able to. Flee and hide out for long periods of time, and
0: <laughs> that's good now you have some uh, one of the things I was thinking about were the archetypes that yes. you had talked about that we each have yes. one archetype or more
1: Oh, I think that we have a series of archetypes you know
0: and the, how would you describe yourself in terms of archetype
1: uh well certainly the, the the reluctant hero is probably uh what I dealt with for many many years and and that's a real archetype I mean we find ourselves. Going, well, I know I could do this, but do I really want to? I mean, I would lose my comfort level. I'd lose all these this this old way of life that that I'm comfortable with, and and I have to stick out and do something heroic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's something we can work through. And when we work through it, we find that uh, then we move into the self archetype, which which is our uniqueness, and we find our own voice and our own intuition serves us, and the opportunities mysteriously. Appear for us to be all we can be. And, uh, and uh, again, that's that's something that is built into this brain that we, we don't use all, all of. And, uh, I think all we have lot, to do is, is actualize that. I,
0: I think we're a lot more capable and competent in realizing our highest good than we give ourselves credit for because we've had the inner voice turned off. For so long, we've actually been taught to turn off the signal. Yeah, and to, you know.
1: to rely on ego alone and our, our rational side and, mm-hmm. and don't, don't talk about intuitions because they can't be uh, verified and quantified. And, right. You know, it's that whole scientific materialism right. of the last 400 years. We fight that constantly when we try to, to rise above and, and, and develop our spiritual perception.
0: I couldn't help but get an idea that somewhere along the line in those archetypes there was the hierophant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yes.
0: My feeling about the hierophant is that it's it's truly a conduit. It's yes. someone who has access to reaching into the endless light and really bringing that energy down through themselves and out into yes. the world. Yes. And that, you know, the highest aim and aspiration there is to contribute to mankind in some positive and impactful way absolutely and i definitely got a hit on that when i was reading through your work yes
1: well i mean i think that's part of this new world view that that uh that can be a real experience yes See, we've known for a while that that's a, an interesting idea mm-hmm. and now we're verifying it at the individual level that i can step into that level of creativity where the ideas just flow through that's right and uh you know i don't know exactly what how i'm going to put what i'm saying Uh, But then the words come, you know, in scriptures, uh, all scriptures. You know, there's this thing about letting go uh, to the to the will of God to speak through you. And I think that's the experience Mm -hmm. uh, that can be discovered for oneself.
0: I think one of the most basic navigational tools.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And it does at at the level it's discovered. It does not feel foreign at all. It feels like we finally got in touch with a, a greater part of ourselves that was there all along.
0: Mm hmm. You continually encourage people to act on it, and this makes for some very exciting experiences. (laughs) And one of the things I enjoyed was you illustrated, uh, when you were writing the book, you had gone to the Chapel Vortex in Sedona. Yes. And you had an experience there. Yes. Well, you know,
1: the world is such a mysterious place. I mean, all we have to do is is uh, open up to that and really begin to kind of expect it. And it's really interesting, mysterious things happen. Uh, the account you're referring to was a, a time when I was, uh, you know, I was not, you know, things were going well with the writing of the Celestine Prophecy. I was trying to make some notes in uh, Sedona uh, near the chapel vortex there. And, and uh, a crow flew out of a, of a, uh, a canyon to my left. Flew out and I could see it in the distance, you know, and it circled and it came right over my about a foot over my head, you know, it made <laughs> me duck, and then it flew back into the canyon. And I said, "Well, that's interesting thing," <laughs> but stayed there and tried to, you know, make some more notes. And the crow came out again and circled the canyon, flew right over my head again, and then back into that canyon. And I thought, "Well, I'm pretty dense, but I get that one." Mm-hmm. You know, so off I went into the canyon there and found a place that. You know, the myth, one of the mythologies uh, of, of Sedona, and it also is, is, is true for other sacred places, and that is that there's a place you can find that is your very own. It fits with your energy. You know, it can energize you and your best creative ideas if you could find it and spend some time. So what I found in that canyon was uh, my place, which I go still go back to very frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a place where I just sat there and... And the the ideas poured out and the vision poured out, which uh, uh, eventually became uh, the the insights of the Celestine prophecy.
0: And I think that this is how it can work for all of us if we're willing to look for the signs and then act on them. And I want to thank you uh, for joining me. today, James. It was really a pleasure to have you come into the studio. I enjoyed it. Thank you, and uh, everyone, James Redfield, author of the books The Celestine Prophecy, The Tenth Insight, and now the nonfiction The Celestine Vision, Living the New Spiritual Awareness, published by Warner Books. Uh, Goethe wrote that freedom consists not in refusing to recognize anything above us, but in respecting something which is above us. For by respecting it, we raise ourselves to it, and by our very acknowledgment prove that we bear within ourselves what is higher and are worthy to be on a level with it. It seems to me that any opportunity to enter into a dialogue with the highest part of ourselves raises us to an elevated consciousness. James Redfield's books may provide catalysts that encourage each of us to sustain a positive outlook and an enduring faith in our own goodness and in the goodness inerrant in others around us. There is nothing medieval about elevated consciousness. It seems to me that the universal issues confronting mankind today call for an effort to contact the innermost part of ourselves and to live our lives in the world from our internal condition, the person we know ourselves to be within our own mind's eye, and to begin the work of manifesting that internal condition in our external world. The overcoat of material gain can no longer sustain us in a world that calls for personal transformation in order to embrace peace and harmony on a global level. Holding the vision may be the beginning of the infinite possibilities that exist for each and every one of us. For Conversations of the Quantum Age, I'm Marlene Kaldus.